I'm getting the sewing machine partially because um, I want to make masks that are like that have black cats on them. Hell yeah. That sounds rad. I've seen two different people wearing masks recently that say uh, this mask is as useless as our governor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Which I'm sure I'm sure to the diseased right winger that like makes amazing sense and is a sick burn. But to my like diseased left wing brain, I'm just like, wow, that's giving the governor a lot of credit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I actually saw it. It's in one of um, that. There's a photo of someone in one of the articles that we're covering today that that is a person wearing that mask. And I thought that maybe what it meant was that the protections around them mean that the mask is not nearly effective enough because of the risk that people are still at while wearing them. Isn't that the thing about the, that statement? Like you could just interpret it however you want to like it could be it could be like a fucking like statement of approval like if you really think masks work well and you're like this mask is as useless as the governor they're both super useful (laughs) you can like you can have any like demented take you want with that i think that it i i also i just related it to labor like oh yeah clearly there's there's no actual protections for workers because Basically, anyone can come in and take their mask off, and then you're just at risk again. Yep. Well, like the guy I saw wearing it in person when I was in the store was obviously a right wing douchebag. You know, like mm-hmm. he just he looked the part. Like maybe I'm judging a book by its cover, but I'm like 99% sure that this guy was like a Trump supporter. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's just a weird mask. And every time I've seen that statement, I'm like, what a weird political statement and also what a weird political statement to be popular enough that it pops up on my radar multiple times i'm like do are there really like a contingent of people in this country who see that mask and they're like that's so badass i gotta order that right now yeah i i think that the reason why because they're they're talking about governor wolf right well i think the original one is from new york i think it's an nyc thing but like the person that I saw wearing it was in Pittsburgh. I think any state with a governor. So any state <laughs> you, you could just wear that. Like, well, I just, I think it was like, I think in, in Pennsylvania, governor Wolf said like, like he was accidentally hot miking and, and called masks like political theater. Oh really? And it really blew up on right wing circles because obviously they're like, Oh, so clearly the masks don't actually do anything. So it's when I see that, I, I, and I feel like it. I saw it referenced in like Pennsylvania. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't heard of that. Um, but that I don't know if it's true. I just like look. I read a comment section once. Yeah, but I mean, like that's the thing about the masks. It's like even if even if Wolf really did say that, like the masks still work. There's just like a contingent of like liberal governors and mayors who realize that it is like a political weapon that they can use, and then the right wing sniffs that out. Like they can tell that they're being kind of like manipulated. And then their response is to just be like, the masks are fake. The masks don't work. (laughs) It's like, actually I'm pretty sure putting cloth between your mouth and the outside world does reduce transmission in both directions. (laughs) Like, yeah, I mean, it definitely does, but also I think that it, it really goes to the kind of the point I was originally making about that statement on the mask, which is that people are not actually protected. Like, yeah, like 
it's it it is a form of protection but the mask is not enough we need to be shutting everything down we need to be having people stay at home we need to get this under control because clearly the mask is not going to save enough people's lives it's going to save some people's lives but not enough so i mean we should we should still form the mask union but yeah absolutely <laughs> and i i mean that is the face covering not a uh a, a union for people who are masculine um, yeah i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> i'm i'm going on um mask strike but instead of like walking around without my mask to make a point every day that my demands are not met i will wear an additional mask until i am nothing but a walking ball of masks <laughs> that's funny all right um you want to get started It's yet another episode of your favorite exclusively labor covering podcast. I'm John and I'm here with my co-host Lena. Hello. And we have a bunch of very interesting shit to cover for you today. It has been a hell of a week. Yeah, I'm excited for this particular episode. I mean, I'm ex- I I might say I feel like I say that a lot, but the <laughs> stories that are happening that we're covering today, I just love. Um, There's some heat in there. There's a couple of curveballs. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't love that people are needing to do this. Obviously, this is maybe I'm um, it's like um, a train wreck. You you can't look away. But um, (laughs) but I mean, like it but it actually shows a lot of like really strong workers. So I guess I wouldn't exactly put it in that same comparison circle. But um, we don't have a. a follow-up like we normally do we are gonna cover a new york uh city school and that's something that we've covered a couple times but it's not any school that we've covered so far so we're gonna Mm -hmm. put that in the follow-up section so this is gonna (laughs) be a little bit different than most of our episodes uh in that the follow-up is a little bit different but um then we're gonna get to some really really interesting um articles but um this strike that we're covering in new york city is at a private school um it's actually a quaker school and cool basically the staff had unionized and the or and the administration is trying to decertify the union on religious grounds to say that that it violates quaker values um i took a little (laughs) bit of time because i thought well, if they if it violates Quaker values, we I mean it would be very prevalent. And I, I mean, like there are a lot of um, capital holding like historic Quakers, um, but there I was looking at um, a very like a pretty famous one, uh, John uh, Wingham Richardson, who was a, mm-hmm. a famous Quaker, and um, he's like. I mean, he's he's a business owner, but he actually a lot of his praises are that he basically created a union in his own business in a certain sense. Okay, interesting. I mean, it was it was it was like a proto union. Um, I think that later on, uh, it says that um, when I was reading about him, that he later moved away from the Quaker faith, but it, he was still a Quaker while he was um, 
basically creating a proto union for his workers. Which That's interesting. I I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just nitpicking a um, a particular example in order to um, gotcha these dummies in <laughs> yeah. administration. But well, it's too uh, easy to to gotcha religious people, right? Like even your garden variety Christian is usually pretty easy to gotcha if you're like, hey, if you actually lived your life like according to the tenets of your faith, and then you go and you look at like like I'm even I just googled Quaker values, and they have something called the Spices model: simplicity, okay. peace, integrity, community equality and stewardship which is like that sounds amazing and to me i can't think of anything that would be more of an expression of your commitment to integrity community stewardship equality and simplicity than striking (laughs) in the face of an unjust boss or or some kind of tyrannical person in your life uh it's maybe not peaceful in whatever their interpretation of that word is but uh honestly i feel like uh five against one ain't bad yeah well the actually it is 120 to 5 was the uh vote certification for this for this strike um so clearly this strike is is very popular amongst the workers but they're striking because of this decertification now uh, the reason why one of the reasons why this made it into news is because their their strike for two days uh, basically led the school to just close its doors for those two days. Yep. Like I think that they they basically said we're not going to try to bring scabs in. We're not going to try to do anything or get people to cross the picket lines. And my personal note in here is uh, is this what stolen valor actually looks like? Where the company has basically <laughs> said. Oh, you're going to strike? How about we just close? Like Right. I mean, it's it's a really interesting move. I at first it seems like just like a really petty thing. So this is at the Brooklyn Friends School in Brooklyn. And I was kind of like shocked when I was reading into this, but then I thought about it and I was like, well, maybe there is like a good faith way to characterize this. It's like if our staff is going to strike, we don't want to waste students and parents time with all of the mess that that's going to entail. So we may as well just shut the school down. And they did say that they were going to shut the school down to make time to engage in talks with this union. But after engaging in these union busting tactics, uh, I can't help but get the overwhelming impression that this is not actually a good faith attempt at making reconciliation with the union, but is in fact just a PR stunt to say, like, look, we shut it down for two days and tried to talk to you and you didn't capitulate to our demands or you didn't change your d- demands to be more amenable to us. And so now this is all your fault and we're going to rile up the community against you. I don't know. Any organization... And especially these like religious schools don't ever bargain in good faith. Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's like a a deep corruption in the way that religious organizations have um, uh, uh, assimilated into capitalism. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it sucks because like, you know, you, you look at uh, groups like the Quakers and they have been some of the most, you know, quote unquote progressive, uh, and forward thinking, you know, very religious and very faithful people in the United, in the history of the United States. But, yeah. uh, no, no group is exempt from, uh, what happens once you start to have a class interest basically in maintaining the status quo. Yeah. So, um, I, I definitely want to see the NLRB, um, rule in, 
in favor of these workers so that they keep their union, though I don't um, have a lot of faith in the NLRB right now. Um, yeah, we'll see. So let's hope. Um, but we can move. We've got some really great international news stories. Um, That's right. And we're going to start with uh, with Russia and where a bunch of dock workers literally attacked the president and a shareholder of the company when they referred to the workers as cattle. Um, yeah. So this guy was supposed to be like down there to interact with the workers, get a sense of what's going on and spearhead some kind of like labor related discussion with the union. Right. Like that's why he was down there. And then he, in a passing comment, and this doesn't seem to be substantiated, but I immediately believe it, uh, seems to have referred to the rank and file workers of his company as cattle. And then <laughs> in the video that you had me watch, it was truly amazing. Like one person threw a very well-placed hard hat <laughs> that hit this dude right in the back of the head. And before you know it, like about a hundred hard hats are being thrown at this guy. <laughs> I know. And they were all like before, before they threw their hard hats, they're actually yeah. all like banging them in unison to like, I guess show solidarity between the workers, but also kind of intimidate the uh, management. Yeah. Um, that was and, awesome. Yeah. It was a very cool video. I mean, I was just really impressed with like the marksmanship of the first person who threw that hard hat because it really <laughs> did hit him right in the back of the head and like credit to this guy. Like he's a scumbag obviously, but he didn't flinch when he got hit by a hard hat, which those are, those are heavy. Like that would hurt to get hit in the head with one of those. Yeah. Um, but props to the workers who like just fucking pelted this dude. And then he seemed to panic and like tried to charge through the crowd of workers <laughs> to get back to yeah. the exit. <laughs> it made no sense to me. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean like, yeah. How, how are you going to like walk through a, a very angry group of people and hope that you're not going to get hurt more? Um, which I mean, they, they, he did, say that oh it they they hurt me and and it was like i don't know he actually had some bruises or something like that but right I don't, I don't oh boohoo yeah yeah i, I guess representatives from this company um fesco f-e-s-c-o uh apparently put out a statement calling the workers actions unjustified and have vowed to file a criminal complaint over the helmet throwing um and i would you know maybe in russia they really will arrest like 120 people all at the same time but i sincerely doubt they're actually going to file that criminal complaint honestly it, it's probably going to be a fine for that marksman that you spoke of that that really nailed the first, the first yeah yeah it's probably just well, going to be a fine for him you you can't tell who threw the first helmet from the video so oh nice That's i good. really hope that that person gets away with it whoever they are <laughs> yeah um so one of the things about this company that um and an article that I was reading about it was talking about was they had a president who actually supposedly worked with the workers fairly well that a lot of the workers didn't mind. And a month ago that, that, pre that president was replaced. Yeah. So they used to be answering to this guy, Zyrbek Yusupov, who apparently was pretty well liked. And it seems like his removal is widely considered by the workers at the company to be a political move. 
you know, whatever whatever the ramifications of that are. And they put this guy Kukaruk in his place. I hope that I'm saying that correctly. Uh, and apparently everybody just like immediately knew that this guy was bad news, which is awesome. You know, like there, th- listen to your fucking instincts in the workplace. Like if you get that sensation, like, Oh, I think this new manager might be a huge piece of shit. Who's going to fuck a bunch of us over. Like trust that that's like the same instinct that lets dogs know when our fucking earthquake is coming <laughs> before humans do like yeah. believe in it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I mean, if things were going okay and suddenly the person who you were like, okay, well, it, you know, we're actually able to uh, bargain in good faith here. This is, I mean, these are dock workers, so we know how mm-hmm. strong dock workers can be because of how much power they have in, in um, shipping and capital. I mean, Yep. If, if you actually have a boss where you're like, we bargain in good faith, I mean, not to say that you shouldn't still move to literally get rid of the bosses entirely, but it, when they were, when, um, administration replaces them, you gotta kind of wonder like, like if they really, cause it, what happens often enough is you read these articles and they hand ring about how the workers need to get along with management the whole yep. thing is always that. And somehow when we have management that works with the workers, they get removed. Well, it's always what happens, right? Like you see in politics too. If your country elects somebody who's a little bit too sympathetic to say socialism or even just like broad liberal worker reform, you get cooed by the CIA. Why would it be any different in a corporation where there's way less accountability, way less visibility, and way less media coverage to keep anyone honest? Yeah, I mean, they have the hierarchy to protect them. Exactly. Well, and they have unilateral control to do shit like this. Like, at least mm-hmm. in a state structure, there's, like, nominal accountability, right? Even though the apparatus of accountability is usually just left to rot and neglect. But, like, in the corporate world, no such thing exists. The board of directors can just be like, oh, this guy's too friendly with the workers and hot swap him out for some kind of fucking evil crony if, whenever they fucking want to. It's totally at their discretion. I, I I think that we should, um, we can at least drop a link in the, um, in the description so that y'all can, uh, check out this, this video of the, of the workers throwing the, the hard hats at these goons. Hell yeah. Um, well, and also worth noting in this article, uh, that the management at the port say, have said that they believe that this Yusupov guy who was replaced, uh, was responsible for instigating the strike, which is a really interesting political move on its own, but also because it kind of implies that the workers aren't capable of experiencing enough outrage to throw hard hats at their bosses without their ex boss telling them that, that they need to do it, which is honestly like just kind of like really insulting. And yeah. Like not true at all. Yeah. I, I bet that, I mean, they're, they're like I mentioned, they're dock workers that they're, yeah. they're likely very, they're very strong in their knowledge of how much power they have. Hell yeah. I hope they are. Um, so moving to our next story, uh, we'll talk a little bit about a, um, a mass strike that is looming in Indonesia because of a, of the government trying to pass a law that will basically rein in a bunch of environmental protections. And it's all, it's all justified as, um, trying to get like 
Chinese companies that are leaving China to come to Indonesia uh, in in light of the fact that COVID has cost their economy a lot of losses. And so right. basically they're cutting a ton of regulation and uh, and it's going to cause tons of deforestation and uh, lots of other um, environmental issues. Uh, and so there's a bunch of, or, there's a, a group of organizations that uh, represents like millions of workers in Indonesia that are actually possibly planning. It sounds like they're planning a general strike though. They, they, it doesn't say general strike in the um, actual article that I was reading from the guardian, right. but I don't know how much I would expect um, that sort of rhetoric from that publication. Basically this bill is going to, um, Right, like get rid of 79 laws and 120 or 1200 different provisions. Uh, it's basically just like a giant right wing, like laissez faire bill in order to, um, to quote stimulate the economy, which is gonna gut a bunch of worker protections, right? Um, I got some notes in here that says, um, Mandatory paid leave for childbirth will be cut um, for childbirth, weddings, overtime. Uh, oh, and overtime will be increased to um, a four-hour maximum per day. Um, wow. There, there's going to be uh, a severance uh, change where instead of for 32 times the monthly wage, there only severance only has to be 19 times. Like, it seriously is a giant cut to... to things that workers have fought for. Yeah. It says here that according to a draft version of the bill, they want to cut paid leave for childbirth, weddings, baptisms, and bereavement, and something called menstrual leave. So like there are protections in here that I'm not even super familiar with, but it looks like they just want to like sweepingly take an ax to all of them, you know? And like, it, it really, when I see something like, you know, they're trying to take away mandatory paid leave for weddings, baptisms, and bereavement. It's like, these people really don't care about what the social life and the economic life of their citizens are. If they're willing to make these kinds of cuts, like, I yeah. don't know what kind of austerity the Indonesian government is going through right now, but I'm willing to bet it's none at all. You know what I mean? Like, there's no reason for this. Yeah. And, and especially bereavement. I mean, like, where they, I think that their numbers are a little over eleven thousand people who have died, um, wow. and from and this is from COVID specifically, but right. and, and because people die from other things as well. But like to cut bereavement pay in the middle of a pandemic is really just genuinely heartless. Like it's not even yeah. it's not even like. Uh, oh, this is a calculated, um, you know, whatever reason to do this. Like, it's truly malicious. It is, yeah. It is, and I it mean, is, this is going to affect so many people, too. Uh, Indonesia has, what, like 260 million people in it? It's almost as big as the United States. It's like two-thirds the size of our country by population. Wow. So this is not just like... A little. This is not just like a small group of people who are going to be facing these kinds of like drastic changes and austerity measures. This is like a a country as big as like the United States minus California. Yeah. Yeah. So 
we are going to go to Norway for our next story. Uh, apparently, there is a labor dispute that's been going on for a while. So on September 30th, there was a group of 43 workers organized by the Ledern Union who went on strike after wage talks failed between the union and the Norwegian Oil and Gas Association, the NOG. And apparently... Uh, after those talks failed, it galvanized the working force and the escalation, the 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 labor dispute escalation that happened on Monday added 126 new union members to the strike. So n- now the group is you know four times larger than it was initially, taking the taking total to the 169. Total to 169. Nice. That's right, and that that's out of a thousand and three workers. So that's like 169 mm. percent of the workforce is all going on strikes. Now this isn't affecting, uh, all of the oil and gas fields in Norway. It's affecting, uh, approximately six of them, I believe, which is cutting Norway's total output capacity by just over 330,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day, which is about 8% of their total production, which is fucking amazing to me that less than 200 workers can go on strike and they can knock an entire major country's oil production down by 8%. Um, it seems like the NOG is really, really dragging their heels on this and is just insisting that there is no solution in sight. That's the direct quote from them. Uh, and they, they seem to be insisting that the union is not listening. The union is making unreasonable demands. Uh, and the <laughs> spokesman from Ladern, the trade union, said, employers are still showing no willingness to meet our demands, thus triggering the escalation. So the union is just like, hey, like we're telling you what we're going to do. <laughs> and then we're doing mm-hmm. it. And we're telling you how to fix it and you're not doing that. So this is how this is going to keep going. Yeah. Um, And we see that we see that hand wringing. uh, Well, I guess from the union, it makes sense that they're like, you know, hey, these are we're it's almost never unreasonable demands or at the the very least, they are just demands. And then um, we we see um, organizations and companies basically say, "Um, no, we can't afford it. And then you say, like, hey, can I see the paperwork that says we can't afford it? And they're like, oh, no, no, we would never (laughs) we would never show you that. Like what that that might actually tell you how much money I'm making off of all of you. Well, and like speaking of demand or of information that's hidden from easy view, like this Reuters article covering this oil and gas strike doesn't even list what the workers' demands are. Like it's such a poor piece of labor journalism. Half of the article, when I was taking notes on it, I just completely skipped because it was just talking about the few like price futures on Norwegian oil as a commodity. And I was like, I don't care about that. I care about the livelihood of the fucking workers. It's always that. I mean, that's the, it's the obfuscation of, of, um, class struggle in order to put capital on the pedestal. Um, it's like a classic, like journalist take, and we see it in a lot of the things that we report on. Like, I think that the, if they were not oil workers, then Reuters never would have even covered it. I mean, I don't, th- this might be the first time I've seen a Reuters article in our, um, we, I've just never seen a, a Reuters article in this, in our, in our cycle. I don't think maybe like one time. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Reuters, uh, has an interest in 
maybe accidentally turning people onto the idea that there are more worker struggles out there than they realize or that they're newsworthy items. Uh, I think they basically just report on this stuff when it has a potential effect on the Dow Jones and the NASDAQ or, you know, whatever the other stock markets are around the world. Right. So always solidarity with all of these workers, um, in outside of the U S um, but at this point, I th- we're going to be coming back to the United States and covering some nurse, uh, nursing care workers at actually at a, um, or like an, I guess a nursing home or like, uh, an assisted living facility. And this is a very interesting story because we are seeing the exact same thing that we just talked about in the Norwegian one where in the end, the I think we're, I'm just going to skip to this part. We'll go back to the more important details. But um, when I was putting these notes together, I was like, gosh, I'm going to quote the actual company on, on this, which I don't like. I don't really don't care too much about what the company says because it's always a right. lie. But, um, but I thought that bringing it up in this case kind of is um, um, it highlights the way that this always happens. And so um Spokesperson Jeff uh, Jakomowitz uh, of the New York-based uh, Center's Health Healthcare, um, which is basically just the one of the bosses in the in this uh, retirement facility, says since the onset of the unprecedented global COVID nineteen pandemic, Bannister Center, along with all other long term care facilities in the state, have been under tremendous regulatory and financial stress. As a result, we are at a point in time where it is not feasible to add a new large financial commitment. Uh, Bannister Center understands and empathizes with our employees and therefore offered the employees a short-term contract with an immediate bump in pay, a reduction in health care premiums, and COVID-19 hazard pay bonuses. The goal of this offer was to ensure that the employees receive something now and then reopen negotiations in 12 months when we are hopefully through this pandemic. They're like basically saying like, hey, take the take the pressure back off for a minute so that we can get back to normal. And then like once you don't need this extra money as much just as a way to fend off death, then maybe we'll see about giving it to you, even though the motivation for us to actually capitulate on this will have been largely removed. Yeah. And, and also like the, these aren't the, from what I understand is these were not even meeting the demands of the workers in the first place. Like they're, they're holding up these, these um, benefits that they're putting in this short term contract, which I think is horrible. Um, that they they're like no we're doing a good job because they've got enough buzzwords in there like reduction in healthcare premiums by how much and and like why why are you going to raise it later like that doesn't make any sense yeah. that like why is it a short term contract you know it's like do you think that once covid is over we're all going to be able to go back to living you know it says here direct caregivers are paid as little as 12 dollars an hour and this is in um providence rhode island like this is a major city cost of living can't be very reasonable and the idea that like this is a this is a predict a, a pr- 
precarious time for our finances and we can't make a new financial commitment. It's like, how about this? If you don't make a fucking financial commitment to your employees, your employees are going to commit to you not having any fucking finances anymore. You know what I mean? Like you need to give them what they want or they're basically going to shut you out of your own business and like (laughs) fucking do it, you know, or or, or don't, you know, win, win. Like if you can't, you should be shut down. Right. And I think that, um, what we saw in this particular one, because there, um, this particular, um, facility has a hundred cases, 20 deaths, uh, one of them even being a staff member, uh, and they're still, yeah, they're still only paid $12 an hour. Um, or some, some care workers are, are only paid $12 an hour, but then like, seriously, this whole article from, what is it? Go local prov. I don't, it's, uh, it's, I guess it's just a local Providence, uh, news reporter site but mm-hmm. basically uh it's all the whole thing is just hand-wringing from management like uh, one of the the nicer voices that was heard was from someone who was i believe named michael fine and he's one of the administrators on site and he said they really do work hard and imp- and they do important work and darn it if they if that shouldn't be recognized. I love it. Actually, I think I pulled that just because he says darn it in it. <laughs> darn it. Well, and also recognized like wh- what do you what is recognition? Like it's like the fucking clapping. Are you going to clap? Are you going to get the police to to park all of their cruisers in a parking lot so that it spells out hope? Like that's not fucking recognition. Recognition is extra money in these workers pockets so that they can afford to put their kids in daycare and buy like nutritious meals for their family after they go and risk their lives for upwards of eight hours a day, taking care of some of the most at risk people in society during a fucking global pandemic. Right. And so they're also getting, they're also getting reamed by management because they're like, well, now we have to bring in scabs and the scabs don't know the elderly people as well. Also, that's more points of contact in COVID. And, and they're, and I'm just like, well, then you know how to fix this. You give into the workers demands. Yeah. Well, they don't want to. They, it's more expensive to bring in the scabs than it is to just pay the workers what they're asking. But it sets a precedent that they might have to keep paying workers what they ask into the future. And that's a very scary proposition for them. And so they resisted at all costs. And I don't know if it's just like the fucking contradictions of, you know, capitalism or the American workplace or whatever are just so heightened right now. But like, this is the opportunity to prove to employers that like it's they're they're not going to get through this without your work and you as the workers if you're organized hold all of the cards. Yeah, yeah, I mean like I can't get over like how often I'm I've mentioned it probably three times even just this episode how often we run through these articles that are just loaded with with the the workers need to get along with management the workers need to get along with management when in reality what management is doing is telling the workers to go fuck themselves yeah well and like how can you have a a two-way street kind of relationship in a top-down, dictatorial, hierarchical arrangement like a company, right? Like, you think about it, the workers are already making nice with management every single day that they're on the job because they have to say, like, yes, sir, and then go do what they were fucking told. It's like, 
any pushback that the workers are giving the bosses is not like them not being in good faith. It is, it is long overdue reciprocation of the workplace dynamic. Absolutely. I think any worker, I mean, literally, I'm sure every person listening to this experiences that alienation from the wanting to tell your boss to fuck off. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Like how many, like if so, I j- join the discord and come in here and, 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 and I'd love to hear stories about it, but I, I bet that no one, no one here has ever been like, no, every single boss I've ever had has been awesome. And, uh, and I, and I don't understand why you guys are doing a podcast. <laughs> the only people who ever say shit like that, the only people who are ever like, oh yeah, every boss I ever had was just someone trying to make money. Honestly, in America, live in the dream. Like that's always like some dude who now owns a fucking like jet ski dealership. And it's like, <laughs> they were all just trying to make their money. And now I'm trying to do it too. Hoorah. And it's like, dude, do you think a fucking like bald Eagle is going to come down and like lay a fucking golden egg for you because you had the economic savvy to open a fucking jet ski dealership? Like nobody gives like your opinion doesn't matter any more now than it did before. And your workers at your fucking jet ski dealership or your franchise of a subway or whatever, they know better than you. They know the customers better than you. They know the product better than you. And they sure shit know how to make the sandwich or sell the jet ski better than you do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, if, if you are one of those people feel free to like, unionize your workers to, to prove us wrong. Like if you really think that, uh, that you're doing such a good job, then you would just provide a union for like the, a, a, a framework for a union for your workers. Like you would I mean, just let did. them have a contract that they negotiate with you at the very least. And, and I, this is actually kind of this, I feel like this is something that we get away from sometimes that um, unions are just a way of, of improving your own work conditions or, or like a way, a, a means of kind of fighting back a little bit, but like unions are actually meant to weaken capital. Like the, yes. it, the whole goal in the end is to get away from capitalism and all of these like more liberal labor unions that we do call out fairly often on here are complicit in, in this like kind of, oh, you need to do incrementalism in order to get a better um, situation for people when in reality, there's no way to actually fix conditions for all workers until we get out of this capitalist structure. And we need to be using our unions militantly as a tool, as a weapon against capital. Um, yeah. and- well, the like, liberalized unions are like controlled opposition, right? Like they're infiltrated by people who, you know, used to be management or at the company or uh, have some other kind of like interest or, or a business owner themselves or whatever. And then they become like this thing that's like, oh, we're the countervailing force, you know, we're the opposition to the boss, but then they also suck. It's like, you know, how am I going to vote out a Republican if I'm only able to vote for a fucking Democrat? Nobody gives a shit about the Democrats and the Democrats don't fucking do anything. And that's what happens when your unions are not militant are not democratic are not. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that you are, uh, you're, you're, Speaking truth, but I think that the Democrats definitely do stuff. I mean, we have like what Mayor Peduto, who literally kettled and gassed people who were protesting. 
That's true. I mean, they they don't do anything the, the traditional way you think about it, but they certainly authorize their police forces to do all kinds of shit. I think you were making an interesting point earlier. There are so many people out there who must think of themselves like, I'm the best boss in the world. My workers love me. I take such good care of these guys. I throw them pizza parties. I give them 50 cent raises sometimes. Like they, they love the shit out of me. My challenge to you, Mr. Good Boss, would be to just put up a sign somewhere in the workplace where everyone can see it that says like, I will stay 100% neutral in any union uh, in, in the organizing of any union and be happy to sit down at the table to negotiate contracts yeah. with any union. If you're such a good I boss, will, I will voluntarily recognize a card check. Yes, exactly. And just say it up front because if you're such a fucking good boss, if your workers really do love you, then you would have nothing to fear from a union, right? They wouldn't even have any demands. Why would they even organize? Life is so great at your in shop. Fact, if anything, so just, they're just going to, they're just going to take all of the things that already make the business as great as you've ever made it and they're going to put it on paper so that we can all understand it a little bit better and if anything it's going to actually help you plan better for the way that your business works so i mean if that's your motivation to be a good person and to take care of like your little economic community that you've generated with your business or whatever the kind of like americana is that you have to justify this shit to yourself like that's the challenge like encourage your workers to unionize and basically fuck around and find out how good of a boss you really are. Because I think you'll be shocked. Yeah. Floored by how much everyone actually hates your fucking guts. (laughs) Rightfully so. Yeah. I feel like it's, uh, this is a funny way to go. We, I went from like saying that unions need to be the, the catalyst for destroying capital and to stop being like a, a liberal placeholder for incrementalism. And then we're just like, no, but I mean like, if you're a boss and you let your union in, you'll you'll <laughs> you'll create better work conditions for everyone, including yourself. And I, well, mean, I mean, like, that's a- it's true. But I think that in the end, what the goal is is to turn the uh, the whole job into a horizontally organized structure with actual democracy in it. But that's kind of the thing is it's like, I'm willing to like crush a boss to, you know, turn a company into a workers cooperative or whatever. That's totally fine by me. But if you really think about it, if you really sit down, have a beer in the shower and have your shower thoughts about it, you'll realize (laughs) that the boss is actually going to have a better, more cared for and more fulfilling life. If they were just a member of their company as a cooperative than they ever would with the pressures of trying to whip people into line so they can keep pathologically chasing after more money. Like in a way dethroning the bosses kind of saves them from themselves. And I, I don't think like there's a, there's a little kind of like psychoanalytic kind of quirk to this that doesn't get examined a lot. And I don't know how useful that is in the world of organizing, but in the world of podcasting where we just like to talk about interesting things, yeah, I think it has a lot of value. I yeah, <laughs> I'm digging it. Yeah, this is uh, I think that this is a, a, a long-awaited analysis for work stoppage. Honestly, um, <laughs> we we actually need to do an entire like episode, which will be um, like public relations, but for bosses, and uh, and just like a bunch of like benefits for bosses <laughs> in in like having unions in the workplace. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we should make an episode like why you should voluntarily relinquish your executive position and work in your own company as a member of a cooperative. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's a, it's a I don't think it will actually, idea. 
I don't think it will actually convince any bosses to do that, but I do think it will be a, a possibly potent uh, propaganda tool for workers who are willing to listen. You know, it, it's just it's a cute thought. Exp- it's clickbait, basically. We're, yeah, we're doing no. BuzzFeed. We're we're leftist BuzzFeed over here, folks. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I um. I think that that brings us very nicely into um, a, a nice piece of what was clickbait for me, uh, which was a Detroit bus driver beating the crap out of someone. Uh, <laughs> and and honestly, like the the dude went hard and it was a bit much, but also props to him. Um, this is something that, again, we uh, we need to drop this uh, the link to this video in uh, in the notes as well. But um, we saw in Detroit that uh, there's a there's a video of a bus driver who was who asked um, someone getting on the bus if they would wear a mask. And uh, mm-hmm. the guy basically ignores them. And he gets on the bus, and so the bus driver stays there and idles, and the guy's like, hey, what's going on? And he said, you need a mask. And so the bus driver is just idling there, waiting for the man to put on a mask. The man gets angry. Now, um, at in Detroit, apparently, right now, they have the buses basically separated by uh, a chain rope and in, okay. ha- at the, in, in the, at the halfway point. Right. So basically you can't get to the front half of the bus because that is just bus driver space. And, um, and by November 1st, they actually plan to make it so that there's 12 feet between any passenger and the bus driver, which I, I, and then, um, by the end of the year, they want to actually create like whole doors basically to, to separate bus drivers. Um, but, uh, anyway, the point is, is that this person who is refusing to wear a mask literally like picks up the chain that uh, that separates the um, passengers from the driver. And he just right. walks up with his fist clenched, like basically being like, you need to move this bus or and like basically threatening the bus driver, the bus driver who has probably run into this sort of issue constantly. In fact, they say that like bus drivers have been stabbed and there's other sorts of violence used against bus drivers. He, the bus driver goes off and takes this dude down and just like, it was beautiful watching the video. I was like, the guy walks up and he's like, when are you going to move the bus? And as soon as the driver realizes how far up into his space, this guy has gotten, he's just like a blur of activity. He immediately comes out at this dude fucking swing in, pins him down, puts him in a lock and then like starts to basically lecture him while he's got this guy's like pinned quasi upside down on the ground. Yeah, it was you can truly hear, amazing. You can hear some, one of the other passengers in the backgrounds yelling, beat his ass. <laughs> which <laughs> I kind of, I kind of liked, he's just like, yeah, dude, that guy's a fucking asshole. You, he deserves this beating. <laughs> I mean, props to anybody who like really confronts somebody who is adamant about not wearing a mask and has a fucking attitude about it because those people can be incredibly dangerous. Somebody got killed in an altercation with one of those people just recently uh here in pittsburgh and it's like it you know it's really hard out there and you never know who's gonna be like a truly fucking crazy fuckhead but also like well we've mentioned that the people who 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 protest against masks are probably the people carrying covid exactly well and then the other thing is like so i guess there was a big backlash against the driver 
uh, over this and they're going to do like de-escalation yeah. training. And the mayor yeah. has been talking about how uh, a, a bunch of drivers walked out in support right. of this driver. Right. This um, is why we're actually covering this is because there was a solidarity strike. It's they, they call it a walkout right. and not a strike or a wildcat action because it's against their contract. But Right. Yet another contract where they're not actually allowed to do the cool shit and they have to pretend like they're doing the lame shit while they do the cool shit. But they walked out in support of this guy and then the mayor uh, completely fucking lost his mind. Uh, Detroit Mayor Mike Duggan uh, responded to the strike saying he hasn't gotten a single complaint or request from the leaders of the driver's union. Uh expanding on their concerns on security in the past four months, which certainly cannot be true. Yeah, no way. And then they're also, it looks like the city is trying to get an injunction from a judge to force the drivers back to work, but then that ended up fizzling out. Right, um, yeah, because they basically, um, in the end, the the people who walked off were in was in protest of this bus driver defending himself against the assailant, like the, the possible COVID carrying assailant. Um, and, and like, uh, they went on strike for, well, uh, this, I don't know. I love this obfuscation of language that I think we really brought to, we saw brought to light in the NBA, um, strikes, the yeah. NBA wildcat strikes and just this kind of obfuscation of language in order to kind of subvert the law, which I, I, like I mentioned in that episode that I love, I actually, I actually <laughs> love it. Like, like sure. If you can get away with a strike, if you can get more demands met by calling it something else, then yeah, that's fine. Uh, especially when you are not going to receive a lot of like solidarity strikes from other people. Like I think that one of the reasons to call it a strike is because then other unions should have some sort of incentive to strike in solidarity, but that doesn't really happen. So it doesn't matter so much. Like call it whatever you want. But it doesn't happen that much. But yeah, and well, especially if you have stuff that says like you can't strike or you can't engage in a walkout or whatever other kind of collective action in your contract, like just strike anyway. And then when they're like, hey, you can't strike, be like, we're not striking. We're working. (laughs) And and just just keep walking around in front of the building, not letting people in and waving your signs as if that's your job. And just, you know, when you're questioned about it, just be like. (laughs) This, I'm at work. I'm, I don't know what you want from me. I'm not striking. Like I can't, I literally cannot work any harder than I am right now. Um, <laughs> like yeah, it doesn't concept. matter. You don't have to play nice. Like you can, you can just like be flippant and be mean and like skirt the law. Cause it's, you ha- you almost have to because the em- right. your employer is going to yeah so I think that um, I kind of I skipped to the um, to the concessions at the beginning of this piece but just to reiterate what actually happened is that there's not going to be any injunctions against the union they are going to get totally like modified buses so that the bus drivers are safer and yeah. like basically all of their demands are being met so like. I I want to just point out here that in this in this case violence worked. <laughs> violence was the answer. It, yeah. it, I'm and I'm pretty pleased with it. And the cherry on top of all this is that not only did the injunction filed by 
uh, the city to force the drivers on strike back to work fail, but the union is now filing an injunction to get the driver who was disciplined back to work. Yeah, which exactly. Is awesome because he's not on a only, 29 day, um, he's on a 29 day suspension. And as soon as he's back to work, everybody else is going to go back to work. Right. Cause that's what they're protesting. So it like solves all the problems neatly. Right. Well, they I don't actually, know why you would I think resist they're back. it. They went back. The, so the strike was between the second and the fifth. And so they actually okay. only needed to strike for like three days in order to get basically everything except for the suspension, um, lifted or, or met, yeah. met well, all the demands except for the suspension, uh, lift. Bravo to them. That fucking rips. Uh, just powerful energy from this guy who beat this dude's ass and powerful energy from yeah. his, his friends who came together to support him. Exactly. And again, like I definitely think the dude, it must've been like the, the straw that broke the camel's back in a certain sense. Like he's, they've been putting up with a ton of shit. And then this guy literally gets up in his face. And that was, that was just uh, when it was too far. I, I think that if you actually watch the beating, um, it is a lot. I mean, he really goes off. I, I was kind of shocked at how in- intense it was. But then imagine like bus drivers are already very put upon people. And now you're a bus driver in a pandemic. Plus you're in Detroit, which is like a city that's been so systematically fucking gutted and like had so much opportunity removed from it and poverty like inflicted upon it. Like there's, you're just putting up with a lot of shit at all times. And I can't, I I keep trying to find a bone in my body that blames this guy for acting the way he did. And I just can't come up with anything. I I really feel like I would have done the same. He really just like pulls his arm back and just nails this guy like four or five times while he's on the ground. And you can tell he snapped. Like there was, there was something in his brain that just broke and he was like, it's, it's go time now. Yeah. And, and, but like they won and it was like, everybody supported him. And, and like, especially because of all of the other workers supporting him made me think like, they all know what this is like. They all face this sort of thing all the time. They are supporting him because they want to be that person beating the crap out of the anti-masker. Absolutely. I, I do too. I yeah. do too. Uh, and speaking of things that are badass, uh, we are finally on to the little cherry on top of the whole show. The meme yeah. review, my meme friends. Review. And we're going to start with a banger. I think everyone's seen this one float around at some point, but since Trump has been uh, <laughs> infected with COVID and everyone's wondering if he's going to die at any fucking moment, I, I have a Google news notification turned on i think if he dies i will get a notification on my phone nice um but uh this meme is just like you know it's like the, it's like the bad and then good drake, the drake meme, meme but it's yeah. but it's the you know it's the girl in her house because uh drake sucks ass and uh it's it's you know it's like ooh trump 2020 and then positive face trump 1946 to 2020 yeah, <laughs> right I, yeah, like, I, it's very telling of like well, it's still Trump 2020, but it is right. the last year. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, you know, it's not like I think Trump dying will make any kind of breakthrough political change in this country. Maybe it will. I don't know. I don't think that it will, though. No, I but, don't think uh, so either. I think it would just be, like, very interesting. And I think it would be productive in the sense that it would give a lot of people their political will back. And I feel like a lot of people's political will is flagging right now. People are jaded. Mm-hmm and pessimistic 
and things are just slogging on and it looks like it's going to be a really, really bleak situation for a long time before it gets any better. And I think something, the, the, the little pizza party that could cheer us all up enough to kind of get our heads out of our asses might just be Trump just keeling over and fucking dying. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to happen, but God, I, I, <laughs> yeah, knocking we can on hope. wood, I'm, uh, I'm crossing my fingers. Speaking of hoping that he dies, there's actually this, this meme that's been going around that I've, I've seen in a lot of different spaces. Yeah. which is uh this this white dude um shouting and in, in the top panel and um it's if protesters get in my way i'm gonna run them over kill them all i stand with kyle rittenhouse the the shooter at kenosha and mm-hmm. um and then it's um trump gets sick and it's like i wouldn't wish harm on my worst enemy you're all terrible people for wishing harm on him shame on you like this kind of like preachy bullshit when literally their entire rhetoric is based in violence against the left but as soon as it's like oh daddy trump's gonna die you can't be mean to him you have to respect the presidency like go fuck yourself i'm sorry I mean, this meme highlights it coming from like the very conservative far right in the country. But I also feel like there's an element of this that's coming from like, quote unquote, center left, like liberal commentators on on Twitter who are all like, I sincerely hope that the president gets better and doesn't suffer any lasting so we can damage vote from this. Him out. <laughs> yeah, so he can be devastated by our torrent of votes for Joe Biden. And I'm like, you are a oh, weak creature who does not know when the stakes are serious. Like, it, I get it. Like, oh, what do we really have to gain from wishing that the president dies? And my only answer to that is like, it would be badass. Like, what do we have to gain from driving a motorcycle really fast? It's just fucking awesome. (laughs) What could you possibly be objecting to? Like, Just do it. Yeah. Um, Then our next one is actually just a photo of Donald Trump, which is, I believe, when he went back to the White House and basically threatened everyone with getting sick. But um, we don't. I don't think that this is a true subtitle, but it's very funny. I don't think this funny. is a real quote, but yeah. it's believable enough. It's like Trumpian enough that it makes you wonder if he didn't actually say it because like the stakes or like the, the, the ceiling on the insane shit that he says is just so high at this point. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the, the text says the doctors say uh, the, the doctors said they've never seen a body kill coronavirus like my body. They tested my DNA and it wasn't DNA. It was USA. And- <laughs> It was the biggest. I have the biggest, most coronavirus-killing body of anybody that's ever had a body, folks. The doctors, they they, they came from far and wide to see. They, <laughs> uh, doctors came from distant cities uh, just to see me, stood over my bed, uh, disbelieving what they're seeing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a Natalie Merchant joke for the nine people who laughed at that at home. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, like, love the idea that, that like... He, because he does just make shit up, and it's like uh, they said my DNA wasn't DNA; it was USA, USA number one, USA. (laughs) (laughs) It was riboflavin. It was the. They said my DNA was actually mitochondria. It's the powerhouse of the cell. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Um, And then we've got two more, which actually are not related to Trump hopefully dying. Um, This is just an Omegle. like 
kind of screen cap and uh it says you're now chatting with a random stranger say hi you both like guns um <laughs> the top photo being uh, a woman with like yeah. uh the confederate flag in the background she's got a camo hat and then the the photo below that which is the person they joined is someone with a palestinian flag hanging and a bunch of like <laughs> literal like assault rifles and he's like all black blocked up and <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's got tactical gear on and you can only see his eyes it's like uh i mean that's that's the thing right is it's like people who really like guns are people who have strong political opinions and <laughs> uh there's a, there's there's two major directions those political opinions can go where you might want to enforce your opinion with guns and ammunition and uh i don't even know if this is real i i think this might even just be like uh Cop, chopped like, together yeah probably <clears throat> but it is really funny and speaking of really funny the last meme, a format that we all love where it says when you open your mom's phone and then it has brightness, volume, font size, and notifications, but the intensity of each of these is indicated by different portraits from revolutionary China. <laughs> like <laughs> Brightness like- is Mao as the sun and volume is like a worker shouting through a megaphone to a bunch of other workers who are rallying. Font size is this giant Chinese worker reading from Mao's little red book, like covering the entire horizon and notifications is just like hundreds of people waving their little red books at Mao. It's like, it's so tastefully true. It's really true though. I mean, like if you've opened your mom's phone, uh, assuming, uh, assuming she's Gen X or, or later, uh, like the, the brightness is all the way up. The volume, like when it when it rings, if her phone was on like in the front yard while she was inside, she would hear it. <laughs> my mo- my mom has all of her devices set up so that she can look at her text messages on them. So when she gets a text message, four different devices in the house all buzz or ding. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so <laughs> that's terrible. I know, truly insane shit. <laughs> will somebody please set up a class to teach moms how to use phones the dads (laughs) they're too far gone there's no hope for the dads but the moms if we focus on the moms i think we can make progress yeah well um i guess that actually wraps us for the for the episode and i'd love to thank everyone for listening uh, if you want to support us, uh, go to patreon.com slash work stoppage. Uh, you can also give us a five-star review on Apple podcasts. Uh, John is Facebook villain on Twitter. I am solidarity B. Um, check out beep beep lettuce and, uh, Oh, and we have a discord. Uh, you can actually find that through the yeah. Patreon. So you don't even have to be a Patreon subscriber. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash work stoppage. Uh, you've scrolled down just a little bit. It says, uh, join the work stoppage discord and please join us. We, um, actually the article today, um, about Russia and the, uh, people throwing the hard hats at the, at the president and the shareholder is actually from one of our, um, discord users. Um, so we're thank you to them hell yeah and uh we look forward to talking to you next time stay safe out there till next time
Thank mm-hmm. you.